Black and shout, welcome back to another episode of Can't Handle the Heat. It's your boy G Swizz, joined by Jokesy. Michael will be on later in this podcast. Now, last week we alluded to a special guest who's going to be coming on weekly to share the latest and greatest in the volleyball news. May we welcome you, Shano Strokey. Round of applause for Shano here. Why, Shano, thank you. Boy. Why, thank you, boys. Bummed, I'm bummed Micah isn't here. Dude, he was so fired up for this. He's bailing. I'm super excited to be a part of it, boys. I'm glad oh, yeah. you guys thought of me, and I'm glad to be here. So let, let's start it off. All right. Some news. World championships are going on. Micah mm-hmm. Christensen got hurt for the U.S. I'm a little worried we're going to lose first round here against Japan. That's who we're playing, right? Japan. I feel like Japan got in. They beat, they beat Cuba. Yeah. Do you think we're going to lose? There's no, there's, Chana, there's no way we're going to lose versus Japan. I don't, no I, don't think, I don't think we will. But what I'll say about it is with Micah out, Josh, I think Josh is a great player. But Josh, Josh didn't look super comfortable in that Poland match. And obviously there was a huge crowd. And yeah. people were heckling, and Poland's one of the best team in the wo- best teams in the world. They might be the best team in the world. So, but I don't know. I, I didn't like how in the huddle there was some arguing going on. It, mm. There was some weird stuff going on in there. I didn't love it, but I'm uh, I'm still co- optimistic. As long as Micah Christensen gets back, he takes the U.S. from being a top five team to a top three, top two team, in my opinion. So, if he's back, I think the U.S. can medal. If he's not, I don't think the U.S. will medal. I don't even Dude. think they'll come close. I agree with that. The one thing about that Poland match, uh, we were talking about this today. We were watching it with Mike also. We were on a live stream with him last night watching it. But how like unimpressive the out-of-system setting was by both teams. That was one of the, that was so surprising because both those teams usually... By the non-setters. By the non-setters. And, yeah, and even the setters at times were not given the best out-of-system balls. I mean, they definitely better than the other, but the def, in general, the out-of-system setting was... The second touch was... Not great in those medium high ball situations, which is really weird for Poland and USA, two teams who are historically really good in that area of the game. So, yeah, that was just a side note. I'm sure a lot of people watched the match here who listened. So, um, but besides that, it was a highly competitive game and great crowd, great atmosphere. And I just Sorry. also think it's pretty lame that Slovenia automatically gets to be a top two seed because they're a host. I don't really understand why that is because they're not a top two t- seed whatsoever. Like they're not even close. Yeah. Right? Same thing with the. It's like that same thing with the Olympics. It's like host country Great gets the top seed in the pool. Gets the top seed. Gets to get into the event. It's a. I don't know. It's. It just has to do with like making. Yeah. Yeah. Being advantageous and. It's a good word. All the energy and resources put in, obviously, that like they want, I guess, make sure that the top seed uh, is getting viewed the most. Because usually the top seed gets the best time in terms of, like, to play, and they want to put the home country, I feel like, in the best slot to play to make sure that they sell out the arenas. I don't know. I don't know the reason behind it, but I can understand why people would be frustrated. At least it's Slovenia and Poland, though, to hire, I mean, some of the top team. I think Slovenia's on the top team. Just their team in general. Top what team? Mm. Definitely top ten. Okay, the top ten. Okay, sure. but not not that's the pretty broad. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not <laughs> number two. Not the number two team in the world. All right, fair last thing, my last thing on Team USA and World Championships will be: Are we at all concerned with how we passed? Because we passed like crap in that game. That's true. I think. I think. I don't know. Eric's been playing super well, and I think as long as you have an anchor, as long as you have an anchor, and then TJ and Aaron are both world-class players, and as long as you have that anchor with Eric, he can spread the love. Coming from libero to libero love here. And you can't take away from 
Poland's one of the top serving teams. Their yeah. lineup, their mid, everything. They're one of the top serving teams. That's a huge asset of theirs. And so they're going to put a ton of pressure, especially at home. They're amped up. They're absolutely just lighting it up. They were bringing it on some of those serves last night. Yeah, Bartosz Kurek just loves to destroy the U.S. every single time we play him. Almost, yeah. almost every single time. It's pretty impressive. All right, moving on. Next up on the docket is uh, we're going to go to the women NCAA Women's mm-hmm. Division, which just started up this week. We've already had a couple teams go down in the top 10. Ohio State came into the season ranked number eight in the country, and they are currently sitting at 0-2. They lost to Texas, though, number one seed, yeah? Yeah, Texas Texas is the best team in the country. I mean, they, they look yeah. unbelievable. I know a couple yeah. players on that team. They're they're pretty they're pretty impressive and dude i i i have to say did you watch that match by the way ohio state texas i didn't but i saw the sc- stats and the score you need to go watch just the introductions ohio state has the best introductions in volleyball in the u.s period not even close it's like mike and i we watched because it, it's on volleyball world tv like they bought the rights to the big 10 uh and so ohio state being the big 10 now um now they've always been the big 10 but uh the game was on there, so I went back. I just watched the introductions, and they have literally sold-out arena, lightsabers, lights turned off, and then fire shooting out of, like, cannons. As a, It's insane. Sick music. I don't know. I was fired up watching that. I didn't even watch the match. <laughs> That's like, But I will say Ohio State, senior-heavy team. I think they play with one junior on the floor. The rest are seniors. And so those are teams usually, from playing college volleyball, those teams usually end of the season uh, are dangerous because those – Senior heavy teams, they know it's their last year going out, have the experience usually. So look for them, especially when they get things rolling. Um, end of the season to be a little bit of a dark horse in the NCAA tournament. Those, those senior heavy teams always are difficult to play late in seasons. You look at most great teams and they got a lot of veteran presence in it. So yeah. that's that's true. Um, one other thing for the women's uh, college division is I got to give a special shout out to my club coach. Um and one of my good buddies, Tyler Hildebrand, took taken over for the uh, Long Beach State women's team. My other buddy, Mark Marilda, who's been a practice player for Boise State, I'm actually going to go to that match tomorrow night on Thursday. And I'm going to go <laughs> say hi to Hildebrand and Mark, which is going to be pretty fun to see my buddy Mark on the sidelines taking stats and Hildebrand as the head coach for Long Beach. I heard Long Beach is a lot better. I heard they got – how many transfers did they get? I heard they got a lot of transfers. Because I was like – they were like – people were like, oh, this is Long Beach here. I'm like – I'm like, I feel like historically they haven't maybe been the best, but then all of a sudden I heard they got a bunch of transfers with Hildebrand. Well, I mean, just knowing Tyler, I expect him to have success there. It might not happen his first year, but over time he's he's brilliant. He's a great coach, and he's he's done it. He developed TJ on the men's side, Tuininga, right? I mean, you guys know better um, than I do on that. No, yeah, we, you we guys played, played against him. Yeah, every year. So, no doubt. But, uh, yeah. And – Oh, and Wisconsin lost too, yeah? Wisconsin lost the season opener versus... Uh, let me look. Who did Wisconsin okay. lose to? It was... It was... The no, season Texas opener? A&M? No, it wasn't Texas A&M. It was... Um, what they come in at, Wisconsin? Three. Their number... Yeah, four. they came in preseason number... Wisconsin came in at number three, and now they're already down to six this week. Um, they lost to... Um, I'm looking right now. They lost to Baylor. Baylor. Oh, Joshua Walker. Shout out Joshua Walker. Shout out Joshua Walker. Baylor's one and one as well, but they moved all the way up to number nine from 16 off that win yeah. against Wisconsin. So they're in the top it. 10. Yeah. Good for them, man. Good for them. 
All right, on to the next topic, and my personal, well, one of my personal favorites would mm-hmm. be the uh, AVP Chicago Pro Series Open, which is coming up this weekend. We got a couple new teams on the men's and women's side. On the men's t- side, first off, coming out of retirement for I don't know how many times, but the two <laughs> oldest, maybe the oldest team in the tournament with David Lee and Reed Pretty, two indoor guys playing beach. <laughs> Reed Pretty hasn't played really? in a beach tournament in two years. Six, man. Ice Beach AVP. He hasn't played since like 2020. <laughs> but we'll talk about the six man later. All right. Um, but, back, but back to our point. Um, David Lee and Reed Pretty sneak in the main draw because Reed Pretty got to keep all pretty much all of his points, even though he hasn't played in two years, which doesn't make much sense. But you know, AVP. What do you expect? Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll be fun to watch. Um, I, I think uh, Evan Corey dumped Billy Kalinske. He's playing with uh, David Palm this weekend, but he's going to start playing uh, long-term. He's going to start playing long-term with jo- uh, Logan Weber, Hayden's partner. Yeah, what happened? Why'd they break up originally? Who, Weber, uh, Weber, Weber and Corey. Corey? They broke up originally because Weber got – Hayden picked up Weber, and Hayden has way more – like had way more points at the beginning of the season. But now Evan's been like playing pretty well and – playing with Billy Kalinske, who's a rock-solid pro. That guy knows how to win some games. He's not going to win a tournament in the AVP, but he'll get he'll get you a ninth. He'll get you a seventh. Mm-hmm. He, he knows what he's doing. And so I don't know exactly why they broke up other than points reasons. I think Logan wanted to get in the main draw like from the start of the year, and I think if maybe mm-hmm. if him and Evan were together, I don't know if they would have had enough points to be in the top 12, which is the main draw, because they give four qualifier spots out to every event now. And, right. um, yeah, so those are two new teams on the men's side. Uh, my prediction for the AVP men's, I think um, it's either going to be Try and Trevor, which isn't going out on much of a limb because the men's side, it's you got – for me, there's three teams that are the top three teams. Try and Trevor, Cayman Theo, Partain Lotman. Below that, mm. below that, and those are the three teams that I think are the three – the three teams who win the most. I mean, if and you have Phil and Casey who are still there, and they're still going to be yeah. really good. It's just a matter of how long can they go because Casey has been tiring in tournaments recently. That's been something I've noticed um, later in the tournament. Him and Phil are, for one match, they're probably the best team still on the How often do they which, train? Do we know that? Never. Yeah. Never. <laughs> Casey, I'm pretty sure Casey said before the season, he said that he uh, like hadn't trained before the first AVP event. And, but and, you know, and yeah, no, well, yeah, no, no, no. He didn't win the first one. He played with Ratledge in the first one. They got dead wow. last. Phil, Phil, on the other hand, you know, if he has a good partner, yeah. he's got a chance. So don't forget about him. But below that, I'd say uh, Sander and Crab. They've been struggling so far a little bit at winning. What do you think the biggest They're... issue is for them? Um, honestly. I think the biggest issue that they have right now is that they're still like, I think they're a little too casual on the court. Sometimes I, I think they, um, sometimes they're just, a, they like when they get down in sets, I see them, their mentality drops. They just give up. They've gotten smoked bad a couple times by Brunner and Schalk where they're down a couple points early and they just let a bunch of errors happen and yeah. give up a ton of points and just kind of give up on matches. I think Sander offensively is probably the best player on tour, most exciting to watch. I think 
yeah crab usually is at that level he's usually unbelievable on offense but I don't know. He struggled a little bit more this year siding out than he has in the past. There might be an injury involved with that. I'm not 100% certain on that, but I've heard rumblings about that maybe being a problem. But I don't know. They, like Sander, they're, they're still working. They got a lot of stuff to work out. It's a new partnership. New partnerships tend to struggle. You see on the men's side, especially in the AVP with Try and Trevor and Cayman Theo, who have been together now for came and Theo for, I think, two years, Try and Trevor for like four, three or four. So you see why they're the top teams. Because I think these new teams, those new high-level teams, you know, your Taylor Krabs, your Andy Benishes, your Taylor Sanders, your Miles Evans guys, they're still working their way into that consistency and still finding themselves as a team, I think. they're. I think Crab and Sander, I don't think they're going to win one this year. I think their first win is going to come next year with another year of training for both of them. I just don't see them winning a tournament this year. They're not consistent Dude, yeah. enough for me. The big thing, the point you brought about when they go down, they're not a team like designed wide to be able to come from behind. They're not like they're not going to block balls. They're not going. They need to jump out early and get on top of you and just like offensively, like defensively. I haven't seen it enough to be able for them to crawl back into games. A hundred percent. I haven't seen Sander block enough balls to um, for them to come back into matches. And I on a, like Taylor digs a ton of balls, but his shoulder something seems off. It doesn't yeah. like I don't know. I don't know. He's not anything. terminal enough for sure. Yeah, he's not crushing the ball right now like he used to. That's for sure. He's not hitting as hard as he used to a couple years ago. Even last year, like in the pre Olympics, he was playing with Jake. He was playing unbelievable and was ripping yeah. balls. I think. Oh, yeah. There must be something going on. I know he's had shoulder things in the past just based on how he swings, but, you know, who knows. But that's uh, my take on the men's side. Um, on the women's side, there's a couple new partnership changes. One big one for the Canadian national team, actually. Melissa Humana Paredes and Brandy Wilkerson are now playing together. Sarah Pavin is now is going to play this weekend with Tina Gradina. That's mm -hmm. pretty big. That's pretty big because Brandy – or, sorry, um, Melissa and Sarah have had a ton of success over the years playing together. So this is kind of a big deal on the women's side. I actually suspect that that could end up being a finals matchup, which would be pretty cool to watch, seeing two partners – two old partners play against each other in their yeah, – one of their first that. tournaments not playing, not playing together. And you got Brandy, who's kind of been waiting in the wings behind Sarah – for a couple yeah. years now. So that's that's pretty that's gonna be a pretty interesting partnership. Yeah. And I and what does that mean for Zana? Who's Zana playing? Or she's not playing this. She's can't. Yeah. She yeah, I don't think it was too late um for her to kind of figure out a uh solution for that. And was it kinda of like a was she like was it like kind of like a dick's move on Brandy part? Like last I don't know. second? I obviously we we have to get Micah on to be able to speak about like all the details behind. I'm sure he knows. But um, but basically, what that split up shows me is that Melissa is looking to still be heavily involved in the international side, looking for that per like that long term international partner. Sarah's probably on the downward, just trying to like play some AVPs, enjoy kind of like the end of her career, because that's what that's what it sounds like just from listening who they're partnering with. Um, but uh, in terms of AVP, yeah, Zana's not gonna be playing Chicago. Um, and she is on the hunt, I think, for a partner. From what I've from what I've heard, I, I'd like. I mean, 
Julia Scholes is someone that I would love to see Zana play with. I think Go she's Bose, pretty. Go I, Bose. I think, well, fight on, first off. She she won her natty yeah. as a Trojan, Go not as a rainbow warrior. But she started, um, I respect she started. She I know she started the a ground up as a bow on the beach. She's a wahine, bro. She's a wahine. She's a rainbow wahine. Hey, shout out to Bose. <laughs> All right. <laughs> on to the next topic. Now, I am personally going to protest Joe's mm-hmm. six-man victory right now. That's a hot – that is the hot take right there, young man. Why is why – do why do you say this? I wasn't there, so I want to hear all of this. Okay, so <laughs> team – so shout out Team Cal Private. Hold on. I wish I wore the hat. I should have worn the Cal Private hat today. I'll wear it next week. Um, but shout out Team Cal Private. We um, – we made it all the way to the losers bracket finals. Played them in the winners Lions stall in the winners bracket finals. They beat us, I think, 15-9, 15-8, pretty comfortable. But in the losers bracket final match, they never won the match. Joe, wait, what? So halfway through the game, we call, we asked for a score check, and we knew we had like seven, and he gave us like eight. No, 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 no. The score was <laughs> the real score was. Six, three, and we were on a little bit of a run. That's all they I'm gonna were. say. We we're on a little bit of a run. We scored two points in a row. You're up six, no, we're I think. feeling it there. No, you're yeah. up six one, or you got it was one. It was one zero us. Then you guys scored six straight quick, like aces. Then we scored two, and they bowl. I think it was Hayden, might have been Parker. One of the yeah. bullies asked the ref for a score, and the ref says seven two. And it's their serve. And I just start losing my crap immediately. Our whole team's like, what the heck? They go back, serve, score two more points, and then it's not. And all of a sudden, instead of it being 6-3 with, like, we're in the game, all of a sudden it's 9-2. And we're like, what? Or 9-3. And we're like, what just happened here? This is some BS. Mm -hmm. And I personally think that my team, we had – we had their number. We were in Berkey's head. Berkey had no shot against us. There's no way he would have put a ball, Berkey, put a ball there's down. There's no way you're in Berkey's head. There's, I mean, I love Berkey to death, but I don't think he's much of an overthinker, if you get what I'm saying here. Oh, no he chance. was. Trust me. Want me to tell you how I know we were in his head? Because the first time we played Lionstall, he was wearing a man bun mm-hmm. above his head, and we were heckling him so bad about his man bun. As soon as the match was over, he pulls the man bun out, takes his man bun out. The next time we play him, he's not wearing his man bun, and he's like, oh, I'm not going to wear the man bun this game. And then he gets stopped the first two balls, and we're chirping him, and I'm in his head. I swear, I'm in his head. I don't remember much. I was a lit- Source me. <laughs> Source is me. I was a little mur- I was a little murky at the time. A few beverages, you know. I was a few beverages in, but I am personally – for my team going to protest Lionstall's victory this year because they cheated and the everyone on their team knows <laughs> that they never beat us. Dude, there's, there's like three or four more points. There's like three or four more there's points in the 11. match. What happened? Yeah. They won 10-6 or 5. But yeah. it was Dude, 10. you lost by like 6 or 5. You can't say, we lost, oh. Hey, we, were, uh, we were coming into our good front row. We had Will Rotman at left front. We got Wedbush setting. We had a good front row. We had a chance. That's all I'm going to say. Hindsight bias is 20-20, Shano. Always. Hey, you're absolutely right. But what I'm going to say is I'm still going to protest this. That's and I'm going I'm going to say We got to finish it. off the semi. We got to finish off the losers final. We got to go back and finish off the losers final. <laughs> yeah, I want to finish it off. I want to finish the losers bracket off. And also, why did you assholes have to lose to freaking Soho? What the heck? 
How did you oh, lose yeah. to them? Yeah, we we missed so many serves. Our biggest strength is our blocking. We were missing serves. And then we talked about it. We're like, never. We'll just float serve everything and block. And then we didn't lose again. Uh, obviously. But you never beat us the second time. You beat us the first time. You never beat us the second time. But shout out us. smoked in the first time. Out. Second time we were beating them well. You did not smoke. Mm-hmm. There was no smoking going on here. It was a close match, all right? You guys just were a little bit older and a little bit taller than us. Wiser. The experience came into play. I think you guys might have been a little bit more sober, too. I'm not 100% yeah, yeah, yeah. sure on that. I heard, I heard, well, not Hayden, definitely not by that interview. Holy crap. But um, <laughs> everyone else on the team, yes, but maybe not Hayden. No, our team, our team was. I wasn't there, but I guarantee you, Lionsol was not holding back. If I, I've experienced. The boys are, yeah. <laughs> they're in a constant state of rage. They're Santa Barbara boys. They're Isla Vista boys. They are IV boys. We have a lot of IV boys on our team, too. Okay, shout fun. out Jess Bianchi. Shout out Max Gordon. Shout out mm. Dane Johnson. Shout out Jaden Glenn. Boom. All right. Well, and there's your volleyball update. Shano News. Well, Shano, thanks for hopping on. This will be a weekly occurrence. You're the man. And this has been this week's episode of Shano News. Again. And welcome back to If You Can't Handle the Heat. Like we said last week, we're going to surprise you with a guest, the legendary Shano with the volleyball news. will be a weekly occurrence. Shano news. The Shano news. Shano, ooh, that's good. That's real good. Um, so you'll be hearing from him a lot, and we're going to be enjoying that a lot, and he is in a great edition of the podcast. Um, let's get into our next segment here, Overseas Shiza. Um, I'm going to take this one on this one. Now, take this one on this one? I'm going to take this one on this one. Now, I would think that there's gonna be there's gonna be I feel like there's gonna be like stuff throughout the year that I'm gonna remember. Oh, that's what happened there. So, but for right now, I'm gonna tell you about Bulgaria's traveling and how they paid us. So, for those of you who don't know, is did you guys know this that Bulgaria is out of all the European countries and involved involved with the mob the most? Bulgaria is. Not so I remember not like like you mean the government is involved with the mob the most? Yeah, it's the most. Well, it's very corrupt. And uh, as well as just the whole country is. How do you quantify that? How yeah. Do, well, how do they quantify how anything? How can you claim that? <laughs> they probably have like yeah, most corruption how can you? and stuff. <laughs> no, they probably have like most corruption and whatnot. Is that they just gotta... you claim that? No, 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 no. I looked this up. It has, it's... Legal. It's just an f- overall it's... feeling. Dude, I remember when, when, for example, when Avery came over, like this, I don't think this would happen anywhere else. Would this happen in Poland, East, another Eastern European country? When Avery came over from Friedrichshafen, a very professional club, one of the top, top two clubs um, in Germany here. He, he, I got a text from him, and I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, hey, Gage, like, um, is it normal for, like, cars, like, follow you? I was like, what do you mean? And apparently, the mob had followed Friedrichshafen from the airport all the way to the hotel, and they had been watching them the entire state. I think they were there for about four or five days, and they had been watching, not doing anything up at this point. I don't know if they were hired by the government for protection. Dude, I swear to God, I swear to God. Or... They're planning on doing something. I think they're protection because nothing actually did happen. How did how did they know that that was the mob? Uh, not just some was, random someone guys. Was from there. Because someone was from there. Someone was from there. He's like, oh yeah, that's definitely the mob for sure. Uh, yeah. So it takes a local to know one. So so with that being said, there are heavy mob ties in Bulgaria, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just asking how do you how did they quantify? Like, I don't know. How do you quantify that? anything? Like they, it leads heavy based mob. I'll give you an example of how to quantify some things. 
Okay. If you want. So like. No, 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 no. I understand. I didn't make these numbers <laughs> up. I didn't make these numbers up. Like it, like it leads. It's the poorest country in Europe. It leads to the most leading, most people leaving the country. The, the younger age leaving the country for more opportunity, and has the most mob ties. Defecting. Defecting. Thank you. That's 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 what it's, that's what it's leading the world in. Uh, not ideal. Those are all but, great categories. Yeah, not a, not an ideal country to to be in, but that's another story. Um, now they're gonna come after you. Dude, I don't give a damn. To the mobs falling. That's true. To the mobs falling. <laughs> that, that is true. Um, but I remember. So I remember thinking. Our guy who, our president, was a very powerful guy and is a very powerful guy in Bulgaria. Like, really powerful. And he was saying that, and I was like, I was like, thinking, I was like, I was like, I was like, eh, I had my suspicions. And then, all of a sudden, they're like, payday. We have a match. It's the first payday I ever received in my life when I came to Bulgaria. We have a match. And we played the match. They're like, everyone wait here. Everyone wait here. I'm like, obviously, they're speaking Bulgarian, and I have a 17, 18-year-old who barely speaks English, trying to translate to me what's going on. Like, he would, like, translate practice to me, and it'd be, like, <laughs> the worst. i just nod my head. i like, got it, got it. Like, whatever the co- like I, I didn't really need to hear any of that. So he's like, all right, we're going to stay here, here, like, sit on this couch. And we go to this back room of the arena. We go in, like, this back room, small room. I'm like, what's going on in here? And I walk in, and everyone's just waiting there, just quietly after the match. They go one by one by one. And eventually I get there, and I get in there, and it's like very dimly lit room, like in the back. It's not even like they, I don't know why they didn't even do it in our offices in the arena. They decided to go in the back. And it's our, it's our money lady right there with our, with our president right behind her in the corner like this. I'm like, what the hell? Am I going to get assaulted in here? Like, what's going on? Like, what's going on in this room right now? And I remember walking in, and they said, sign right here. Sign right here. I was like, okay, okay, sign right here. And she reached into our bag and pulls out this envelope of money, and she pays me. Now this, believe it or not, this happens. Pr- I would say pretty often professional volleyball, but me knowing that my presence is very powerful, and and knowing that he- probably I'm like I'm like, where does he make a lot of his money? And I asked my T and I got my envelope and I paid and I didn't have a bank account for the first three months I was there. So I remember I was stashing money in my uh, in Leva in Leva like, not a high currency. So so I guess I mean. I wasn't making a crazy amount of money, but I was making, like, I could live well in Bulgaria. So I was stashing in my cupboards, and I had this money, like, the, the, the cupboards full of money. Uh, and it was my bank. It wasn't until three months in that I got a bank, and I stored it all in there. But I just remember, I kept asking my team, I was like, where does he get this money from? And why don't we get it in, in credit card? And they all just, like, kind of laugh at me. It's like, Ugh. I'm like, is he, is he part of the mob? Is he like, is, is this part of the mafia? And they're like, they're like, go ask him, go out. I'm like, I'm not going to go ask the guy. Like, I'm not trying to, get, like, trying to get in trouble like that. But I just remember getting paid like that. And then we'd take like the most ghetto transportation system. It was the weirdest thing. Like, I remember we went, my first trip ever with these guys. Oh, my first trip ever with these guys. We go and I'm like, okay, we take bus. I'm like, sweet. We're taking a bus. We come into this thing and we walk outside and this bus isn't even a fourth the size of a normal bus. And they're like, okay, uh, nine people go in there. I was like, nine people? Nine? So they fit all the young guys in there, which is me. And we're like, we got like six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, six, ten. Everyone else gets like their luxury Mercedes and whatnot and driving in there. We had guys going to, to matches, driving six hours one day, playing the match. And then driving six hours back in like a hatchback where you have four people in there. So there's four people in the hatchback, about six nine drive no six six driving, 
six nine, and me, and then six five, all fitting in a hatchback, driving six hours after a match, right after a match. And I remember it would be the same guy every single time who would be driving, Jore, who's the chef who I talked about last year. And every single time, because he was on the way to the city, it was the funniest thing. We're like, oh, do you want me to drive to your house? He's like, no, 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 no. I go, it's 3 a.m. He's like, I go to bar. <laughs> we drop him off at the same <laughs> bar every single time. He'd go, and it was the funniest thing. It's not like, oh, you pull right up to a bar, and he'd like walk in, you know what I'm saying? We'd pull up to this patch of this field, this field. I'm not even kidding you. In this town. It'd be like 3.30 a.m. I'm looking at my time, and I'm looking at Jore. He gets out of his car, and he's like, no problem. Goodbye. And I'm like, Stipe, don't drive. I just want to see where he goes. He just walks into this field. And he goes a distant and more distant person, blacker and black. I'm like, they like, couldn't even see him. I'm like, where's this guy going? Where's this guy's bar at? Like, Jesus. And it was just, just absurd things like that. And I just remember just being like, what the heck is like... Like, so I, I basically, my own bank for a while until I decided to cash, cash it all in. Um, I could have easily gotten robbed and gotten everything sold for me, though. But I had, like, three locks on my door. Do they have that in Turkey, Micah? They had three locks? Mm, no, two. I, yeah, it's yeah. Two. I turned, no, 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 like, for example, one lock, and I turn it three times. Did you have that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, pretty common that. That, you, that you double lock or, like, that you have to turn it multiple times. No, that was the first time I ever experienced that. But that was one of the many, many overseas shiza that you're gonna hear from me about last year and probably this year, this season. Just a, just an all around. Just every day is. There's never a dull day there. There's never a dull day there. Anyways, so let's get into the thick of things. Now, we're usually a very light podcast. We're usually a very we like to see ourselves as more the comedy side of volleyball, you know, covering kind of fun stuff, putting our fun spin on things. But occasionally there comes a time when uh, unfortunate circumstances happen, unfortunate events happen, whether it's fans or anything in, in volleyball, where racial slurs are being thrown and just things that are just not okay, like not okay at all. And... For those of people who don't know, for those of you guys, I think we talked we talked about this a while. Just you see, I've seen all over CNN, seen everywhere, about a Duke player going to play at BYU, and they go and she gets called the N word multiple times. Every time she's an outside hitter, so she's going back there, and throughout the whole match on the student side, and we know we we've all played there, um, called the N word by a certain fan. And just something that's just not okay at all. And uh, I, I'll kind of go into the full story of kind of what I gathered. So what happened was she was starting this game. And uh, she goes back to serve, and she's getting called the N-word and racial slurs over and over and over again. No, what, what, what I wasn't clear, what, what I didn't hear fully or understand, kind of differing stories, was I don't know if the, the – she was the only African-American on the court – but I think her friends heard it as well. Like her friends heard it as well on the bench. And they heard all of this go down. So then she gets called the N-word, N-word, and then that's going to mess you up for the rest of the match. So she's dealing with that on top of playing BYU. And then what happens is apparently the, the coach and the referees were notified about this um, mid-game. But they didn't do anything apparently until – a little, a few, they, like it wasn't like a right away kind of thing. 
I don't know if it was a few points. I don't know if it was set. I don't know. But the father's not happy. The godmother, the, the player's not happy with how it went. And basically what happened was it wasn't until a little while later that, okay, they addressed it. They sent a police officer down there. I think the athletic director, as soon as he heard, um, he responded quickly. But I remember that first, I think the first thing they did was send a police officer down there. And I don't know if he got escorted out or whatnot or if he kept saying racial slurs. And the match went on. I think the athletic director, either after the game or during the game, uh, took the microphone. I think it was after the game and kind of told everyone, hey, this is like messed up. Don't do that. Um, but right now, BYU is getting backlash and the coach getting backlash. Now, the one thing that we can. The Duke coach? No, no, no. The BYU coach. Oh, gotcha. Who is. Who, I, for, we had known both the women's and the men coach, and we had, yeah, yeah. we had only heard or seen good things about them, you know. But, I mean, this is something that just – I wouldn't say it's shocking, <clears throat> though, you know, when it comes to BYU. Because I think BYU fans have always been known to – I mean, even when we played there and you played there, Mike, you had the exact same incident with this kind of thing, yeah? Yeah. If you want – we t- we talked about this earlier in the pod, I remember, and it's just crazy, like, BYU, man. It's just like and, – and it's not a representation of their players. It's not a representation of who we've, we've dealt with, like, the men's team and the staff, and they're phenomenal people. Um, but just the fans, man. There's something like, what is go- like, what is going on over there? Like, how do they even go through your head? But Mike, I remember you kind of had a, had a story about the same kind of incident happening, yeah? Yeah, we did. We had we had a similar incident go on um, when we played at UCLA my senior year. Uh, we had to get somebody. I don't know if it happened. I can't exactly remember, but I believe he was escorted out, um, and then. Um, they tried to find out, they tried to, they were going to expel him from the school, but he turned out to not be a student. He was just a random guy. Uh, and so obviously they have no jurisdiction over that. Um, but I, I believe actually that, that Kofi had kind of let, it was either between the second or third set or it was after the game. Um, and we were going to play there the next night. I think that's what it was. And it was the first night of two. And, um, he he had somebody had spoken to Spira about it, and then Spira had spoken to um, the opposing BYU's coach, and they figured it out really quickly. Actually, they went into the film and and they found out who it was. I think um, we were able to identify him, um, and then they just made sure that he wasn't able to come to any more games. And that's pretty much obviously all the the jurisdiction they had. Because, again, he wasn't a student and you can't really control um, random people coming into your gym. But it definitely did happen. And we had another incident as well with a fan there um, with Dylan Mystery when we were going into the locker room um, in between the second and third set. Or something along those lines uh, where police had to get involved. So, uh, And it's not uncommon as well when you hear about it from uh, I believe Russell Westbrook had an issue in Utah yeah um, and I think Donovan Mitchell may have had an issue in Utah or not it doesn't make sense because he played he plays for Utah but um, it seems to be a hotbed for these kinds of issues which Dude, is unbelievable which is really interesting to me but yeah it's yeah, it's uncalled for it's there's no place for that and I really hope that she's okay and that Anyone going through that kind of stuff is okay because that's it's a lot to handle. Hundred um, percent. So, 
hopefully they can address it and make sure that it's just hard. I don't under, I don't know what the answer is uh, to trying to stop something from that from BYU's side of things, besides like really going after it and and when it happens going after it and then making sure that it's um, talked about a lot and people understand the rules, uh, which should be pretty obvious by now, but somehow it's not. I think I think to to one point about the BYU fans, uh, and this is something that um, I just have made up in my own head is one. BYU volleyball is really big, and BYU sports are really big. Yeah. It's not like Los Angeles or New York. Like there's not that much going on where it kind of gets drowned out. So BYU becomes really a focus, and then you tie that into like it being a um, I guess a figurehead for a religion, then you get even more of a fan base and even more passion and um, buy-in. And then when that religion um, like has less outlets, then like for better or for worse, this is I don't have anything against any of the religions. I think they all have they all hold a place and to each their own. But um, there's a possibility, and this is just me trying to use logic, that maybe there's just a little bit less outlets. Um, and mm-hmm. so That's when true. they go to these games, it kind of is their outlet in a sense. That's true. Um, and so maybe their frustration or anger, or whatever the case may be, passion, and in, in good ways, like support. Because um, the majority, of the, obviously this is a minority, hopefully. Um so it's not a representation. We can't generalize and say that it's all the BYU fans or anything like that. Um, but we have to do acknowledge that it seems like there's a place that's happening more than others, um, which is interesting to me. So, yeah, it's a really serious that. topic. They, they, yeah, they just say they're weird, dude. They, it's, it's so weird. They're, I was I don't know if I told this on the podcast, but when when we were walk, I was walking out of the arena. Um, and we were there for a tournament, so it was three days back to back to back. And we were the night before playing BYU. And uh, I was walking out with somebody. I forgot who I was walking out with. A fan comes up to me as I was like about to leave the doors, and he goes, "Hey, uh, you guys Hawaii?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, are you guys gonna go up skiing later?" I'm like, "Go skiing." I'm like, "Uh, no, I don't think we're gonna be going skiing. We have to finish <laughs> out the tournament." So he's like, "Oh well." Hopefully you guys get up there so you guys can go up and break your legs. <laughs> no, he goes. He's like, break a leg. He's like, I'm like, hey. he's like, no, break your leg. <laughs> We're like, what the? Heck? Like, you can see it in their eyes. There's like something like a little like like whoa, yeah. like chill. Like there's like a chill because like when you meet them, they're like the nicest guys. You mean before the game, the kind of shiza that I was hearing from these people. During the matches, luck, I mean, not luckily, but I was one of the guys on the floor, so I didn't really, you know, the bench is going to get, they're going to hear more stuff. You know, the student sections. Now, I want to say that both of the incidents have been caused by, that have been reported, have been caused by non-student, or non-students at the, at the BYU. That have been the oh, so this was section. another, yeah, this yeah, person yeah, wasn't a student either. Yeah, 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 100%. Okay, okay. And to, 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 before I go on that, to, to go with your outlets, I mean, also, like you said, very religious place. A lot of people that, a lot of things that people use for outlets in normal life aren't really allowed in BYU, whether it's, like, you know, the campus, the dry campus, the campus is, I mean, 
there's a sexual part of everything. I don't want to go too far, but there's other there's outlets where you can't really kind of use there. And I think, like you said, this is like the one time they get to, you know go you know kind of get to get after it. You know what I'm saying? And like you see, the, like the nicest people when you meet them, and then all of a sudden the game starts, and like I kind of heard some stuff. My friends tell me that like like I remember one time we were playing BYU, but the one time I was at BYU, just one of the couple things I remember off the top of my head. One guy was like, tells my boy. He's like he's like peppering. He's like he's like use some profane language here. Um, this is quoted. Uh, it's like how's it feel on the bench, you faggot? And you're like what the like like okay. There's heckling and then there's just like slurs. Like what like like there is a clear line here that you're just not following at all. Like what drives you to say that? Cause like they seem like the nicest people, but then all of a sudden they get like oh, they they lose themselves. The, like a mob mentality type thing. You know what I'm saying? That's and, another and really gnarly word to be yeah. throwing around. A hundred percent. And I'm sh- and there's more than that. I'm sure. Dude, if you know who would know it the best, it was in. It would probably be the bench people who know it the best, who like can like, kind of bring on. That probably a, the, you bring. I'm sure there's gnarlier stories out there than than the one I just told, including the one example A, the Duke, the the Duke uh, um, player, as as we see now in the news. And I think that it's just. Like, we, we talk to BYU. Like, we're friends with a lot of BYU players. A lot of BYU players. And even there, well, some of them that we talk to about, they're like, yeah, we don't like our fans at all. Like, that's just, like, because they realize that it's, like, can be so absurd and whatnot. There are times where it's just like, what the heck? And like I said, we love, we, we've known the coaches, or at least the men's coach for a while and everything, and we've heard great things about the women's coach. So this comes as a shock to all of us. And there's no place in volleyball for this, and same thing with you, Micah. They had a second. I believe they had a second game the second night, and they moved it off campus. No one was allowed to go, and they're kind of figuring everything out right now. So that's the kind of situation with that. To to put some perspective on it, I think, um, like for example, I'm sure the same thing happens to you guys, but uh, for people that haven't watched a BYU match or haven't been to a BYU match, when you go to a serve and pass. Um, for example, we went to a serving pass at 10 a.m. and we play that night at around 7:30 or 8. There is a line of people camped out waiting to be let into the the gym at 10 a.m. There's nowhere else in the country that I've been, and I'm sure maybe like on the woman's side, maybe it's more like more common. Maybe Nebraska has this. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But I've never seen people be at a serving pass waiting to enter the gym for your game 12. What is that? 10 hours later. Like, that's the kind of passion these guys have. And there's not like a few. There's like 25 to 50 people that brought chairs and are waiting outside the gym in single file line, waiting to be let in. And so that's the kind of people and fan base we're dealing with. Uh, And so you can kind of tell how it can get out of hand, I guess. But one shouldn't equal the other in any way. So... That's not an excuse, but to explain how intense the BYU fan base is, um, they're they're there in support at your servant pass, which to me is was astounding and gnarly. But yeah, it's it's a really terrible situation. I can't believe that that's going on. Yeah, hopefully the hopefully the last incident um, of many occurrences that have happened in the past and the the fan base like is very involved in the match there too they're very very close like 
I've had a game point where I'm serving and someone kicks the back stand into my leg mm-hmm. and I had to kind of like keep it in at 24, 23 or whatever the case may be. Uh, like they're right there. It's not like a football game where like someone can say something and you're not going to hear anything or like a basketball yeah. game where you've got like 30 feet between you and fans in some arenas or like poly or anything like, like it's very personal, very up close and personal. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever seen it. And so, yeah, Charlie it's was, yeah, same thing. Brutal. Yeah, Charlie had seen it. We had we had the same thing happening. This guy just continued to kick to all of our servers, and Charlie, he booed so hard that night. Is yeah. he like stopped the match for a while to get the fan like, the they had to come down. AD, the coach went down to talk to him. Same thing. That that stuff happens like constantly. So like grabbing shirts, they do that a lot with jerseys because they're right. They're right when you're serving. They're like. They could be like the chin. Yeah, like, you're basically in the crowd at that point yeah. when you're serving. Damn around the court. I just remember just seeing. I just remember seeing their face start. Like they're like the like I'm gonna repeat this. They're like the nicest people before the match, and just seeing their face during the match. I've never seen just such intensity. Intent exactly. I'm like, oh my yeah. god, <laughs> these guys go crazy back here. They're a different level of fan, and in terms of like volleyball that I've experienced, that's for sure. And. And like you said, you, they're they're not only bi- like BYU is the community over there. So it's one of those things where it's like then they have diehard fans, and you know you got families over there too. There's there's a very diverse fan group in terms of where they are in their life when it comes to BYU volleyball. And I think that how it stops is, dude, if you hear someone next to you like for, if you're at a game, you hear someone next to you say racially, hey, hey, like what do you like? T- obviously not so nicely. Tell them to knock it off. Um, and that's just how it needs to kind of go from here. If you're BYU, there's been too many incidences of this. And I think that it's only – its I mean, you can only escort so many people out, you know what I'm saying, to the point where unless the community changes uh, and they hear something, they see something, they stop it, that's the only way they can move forward, in my, in, in my opinion, I think. Um, and with that, we're going to leave you guys. Unfortunately, stuff in this world – Stuff happens in this world that we're not proud of in the volleyball community. But onward and upward we go. Just remember, if you can't handle the heat, you have the kitchen, this is the bed, and then I'll just say it.